Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I'm Chad Parsons. Last show of 2022, and we've got some news. We've got uh, a coaching change in Denver, but I think Russell Wilson has just been a very interesting watch on a number of fronts this this season. So we're going to discuss that. And just like a week or two ago, discussing some early thoughts about rookie drafts, B. John Robinson, the 2023 NFL draft. We're going to talk about startup drafts. Never too early to have some thoughts on team building. What have we learned this year? Things that we're going to put into action with some early tea leaves for the marketplace of team building early next off season. So Katie, we found out Nathaniel Hackett uh, dropped by Denver. And that is that was a situation that it just seemed like never got off the ground. I mean, Denver did not even get off the mat. And Russell Wilson, huge changing landscape quarterback uh, transaction for Denver acquiring him. Certainly not someone that's 38, 40 years old, where it's like, oh, the end is near, you know, Brett Favre changing teams to go into the Jets per se, or, you know, just something that really had the thoughts of this is going to go horribly wrong. So where do you stand on, is this an environment where uh, we, we have a tremendous opportunity to buy Russell Wilson? Is this one where the UCT leaves that this could he could be over? Him being a higher-end fantasy option is no longer viable. What was your kind of assessment? It was still a game to go or two to go, but Denver is already considered one of the cataclysmic misses uh, of offenses this year. Uh, it it was awful. And to say that Nathaniel couldn't hack it, I mean, I've been saying that all along. And somebody, I don't even remember who, I think maybe from ESPN, said that from the very first game where they kicked the field goal instead of putting the game, you know, in Russell Wilson's hand, that immediately showed just signs that the, the coach either wasn't on board with Russell Wilson, didn't trust Russell Wilson, didn't trust himself. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, it was a pretty big red flag early, early on in the season. As far as, you know, what to do with him, you, you really can't trade him. If you've got him in super flex, you've got to hold on and just hope that whatever the coaching staff is, that he at least like right now, QB 26 in standard leagues, that that's not even really super flex viable, although he, he did have two games this year where he could have helped you win. Woo, big deal. Two two games. But uh, I think that he could potentially get back up into that 12 to 15 range. I just don't know that he can get back up into the top, especially with some of the younger quarterbacks that are starting to prove themselves now year over year. Um, I think his time to shine it has come and gone, but I still think he will be a viable dynasty asset. I just wouldn't go out on a limb unless you could get him for cheap, cheap, like super cheap. Um, I'm not going to put a whole lot of faith in him, his situation. He's got some good talent, um, but the rest is to be seen. 
Yeah. I mean, independent of, like you said, not being able to hack it and the coaching staff and just a, a lot of quizzical stuff going on. I think there were definitely some vibes of Jacksonville last year of just, this is not working. Now, I don't think it was as graphic in our face all the time about Urban Meyer, like what's going on? We were hearing stories about off field as well as just, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think he needs a gold star for just smile, not smiling his way through it, but really taking the high road over and over again. And here in Denver, let's not forget Javante Williams was going to be a critical element. He ends up basically not playing. And then Melvin Gordon didn't finish the year with the team. And we can like Latavius Murray as much as we want. But that's not the same as rolling out Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. How many games and snaps were Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton both healthy? Greg Dolchich didn't play until midseason. And KJ Hamler on a milk carton. So my point is, they're full on you know, having Dolchich from the beginning. Who's going to have a major part? Albert O not being a major part after flashing last year. Two running backs. Two wide receivers that didn't play together. I'm not going to say that fixes anything of viewing it as a, a, a disappointing season, but you put all those things together plus a coaching question mark that didn't even survive one year, just like Urban Meyer. How does a quarterback over overachieve in that situation? And one other thing, and I think I mentioned this a couple months ago when we started analyzing Russell Wilson, is the one thing missing is touchdown rate. That's the one thing. And I think touchdown rate is really affected. Look at Aaron Rodgers and others affected by your weapons. If you don't have the weapons, other than Patrick Mahomes, I think you have a ceiling problem. And so for Russell Wilson, I always go back to you know the the rate ratios for touchdown interceptions. He's fourth of current NFL starting quarterbacks in his career: Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, Wilson. And I refuse to believe we've had a decade plus of data points saying Russell Wilson's really good, and all of a sudden he's horrific. Just like Matthew Stafford, I refuse to believe he's as bad as happened this year. I refuse. And Wilson, he's QB, you know, how does QB 20, 22, something like that in a startup draft taste? Like I, I'm I'm digging that. Like I'm a big yeah. fan of of buying the huge dip because like Rogers a year ago was QB 20 or something. Like just there's nothing but profit. As long as he doesn't retire, there's profit in here. Unless he doesn't unless he turns into Matt Ryan, literally the reincarnate of Matt Ryan this year. That's the only way. And I refuse to believe that he's that bad. He rush, he still runs. A little bit. He's got over 200 yards, and you can say it's nothing, but he still provides enough. That's one of the common elements of being a QB1. Run a little bit. Run enough. Run 10, 15, 20 yards a game, and and he still does that. So reset the clock. Jerry Judy, I think, has been underratedly decent. I'm not a big fan of his, but decent. Corlin Sutton has been hurt a little bit. Get Dolchich for a full year. Maybe they add a wide receiver because they haven't had a lot else. Javante Williams being at least there for 12 games or something. I mean, give us something. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty bullish on... You know, if you say he was QB 13 prices, you're like, eh, what's the profit there? But you start going QB 20 with a blank behind it. You know, I, I think it's hard to go wrong with these veterans. And it'll be interesting to see if guys... Aaron Rodgers is already there. See if someone like Derek Carr slips into that range. I know Goff was like QB 30. This is where you get profits from. Uh, Brady is well into that zone. Just keep banking on those guys as your QB twos, threes. You can get a cornerstone guy at the top. That's great. But but twos and threes, building out your team, and definitely don't sell. I mean, someone's going to try to siphon you away, You know, just a fraction of cost if you try to go after that. Right. And that is part of the difficulty of dynasty. I find that a lot a of owners just are not patient and do not hold when they should hold, or uh, 
they sell to a little bit too soon and don't quite get what they should. I mean, it, it's just, this is down years happen. Down years I mean, do happen. I mean, I mean I, we know if you had Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, your season didn't go well in Superflex. We know this, but it doesn't. One year is not what a whole dynasty makes. I mean, look back in five years. You sell both guys for a second. Great job. What does that do? It does nothing. It does nothing. It doesn't fix anything. It's like these NFL teams where I was like, oh, we don't want this quarterback. Okay, well, what's your plan? We don't have one. Great job. <laughs> Great yeah. job. Because you because if you flip him, if you flip Russell Wilson within the quarterback position, what are you getting? What are you going to go after? What's actually the best investment in that? I mean, you're going to have to add significantly to go up to what? Golf? Dak? You know what I mean? So and you have to be really careful. Rookie. And please do right. not. Well, yeah. Well, even if you trade for a 111, what does that get you? QB4 of, the, of a class? Gets you well, the next yeah, Mac and, Jones? And it, in and of itself, QB4 isn't necessarily, you say it, you know, very nonchalant and cavalier like. Remember at one time, Josh Allen was QB4 and Lamar Jackson was QB4. There are a lot of guys that fall through those cracks because on draft day, they're not the final product. So while there is a lot of risk involved, I still don't think that you want to risk a guy like Russell Wilson on a guy that right now is totally unknown to you, uh, let alone even if this class were the deepest and best at quarterback, uh, I still wouldn't take that risk of trading him for a rookie. Right. And the other and the other thing is the timeline, because that rookie is really unlikely to help you in 2023, maybe Maybe developmental still in 2024, right? You're you're almost committing to not contending next year because it's such a critical and high scoring position. And we're talking about Superflex because that's you know where there's actual stakes involved. All right. right, early 2023 startup drafts. So this could be lessons learned. You probably haven't done a startup draft in at least a few months. You know, if not much earlier in 2022. So what has this season kind of taught you some some tea leaves going forward for the ultimate? Uh, initial team build? Well, I, I think that just by looking at all the pieces right now, everybody's been yammering and chattering about the 23 rookie class. Depending on the type of startup you do and what time of year, are the rookie picks earmarked in the draft? Do you have to pick a draft position or do you get that, like if you pick the 101, do you get the 201, 301, et cetera? Uh, or are the players by name in the in the startup draft? Those are usually a little bit later, closer to March, April startups. But so depending on the time of year, and I was going to ask you what your favorite startup type is with the rookies in there or not. But even if they're not, there's a lot of expectations for this class and where they plug in, where people try to massage and and get those players some will go all in and just you know try to get all the rookie picks they can and others will be more conservative but this year looks to me like it's going to be a year of of build your core just like we always say but there's going to be some traps and some bargains there's going to be players that are left for dead because of this season people have a short attention span in dynasty guys like jonathan taylor i think he'll fall and maybe even to the end of round two or middle of round two that's a steal compared to where he was going this time last year and you're you've got aging running backs that are going to fall off 
off the charts. Like Christian McCaffrey is going to be 27 this year. Where is he going to go in a startup? Austin Eckler, same type of thing. The guys that are at the top, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, finished RB4 this year so far in average points per game. What's that going to do? You know, you're staring at him going in a 29-year-old season. I don't think you're you're probably going to get him in round five, round six, maybe even later, especially with all the rookie running backs that are highly touted that are going to be coming in. So there will be a lot of bargains. A guy like Kenneth Walker, who had a really good season in relief, I don't think he's going to go way up the board like a lot of people think you got Najee Harris, who's rebounding from a really good year to RB 21. Uh, and then spattered in there, you've got wide receivers. You've got some that are proven that have done it for a couple of years. Guys like Justin Jefferson at the top, Jamar Chase. Uh, but then some of the other guys are getting older. I mean, even AJ Brown, he's not old, not by any means for a wide receiver. Uh, but you're going to have to take him uh, before guys that could potentially be steals quite a bit later on, like Stephon Diggs, who's still producing top five wide receiver numbers. He's still tied to a really good quarterback, and he'll be going into 30 years old this year, which, again, some people fade that at at the wide receiver position. So you're going to have guys pushed up like Devonta Smith and because of his age, because he's younger. You're going to have guys like T. Higgins and – you know, Jahan Dotson, which, and then there's going to be guys forgotten like Traylon Burks because he's been injured or concussed or whatever. But when he's played, man, he's looked really good. So where's he going to fall? Maybe fifth, sixth round of a startup. There's going to be some good bargains. You're going to have to be patient, but there's also going to be some traps. And I look at it like a, a car lot. You go in, you buy a brand new car. That car loses value as soon as you drive it off the lot. My tendency is to trade back. If you can get a young stud in round one, there's nothing wrong with trading back in rounds two and three. Instead of trading back, everybody thinks, well, the only time I could trade back is from round one to get a real big bang. You Trading back and trading back from round two, round three, round four, get into that round five through eight range and then get some extra few future picks, whether they're 23 rookie picks or 24 or 25, whatever that you have afforded to you, that is, in my opinion, the right way to to approach a startup. Yeah. And your last point was something I was going to start with, which is almost you know studs and duds theory that depending on lineup depth, but also know how quickly certain positions deteriorate as core level guys. What can you wait on and what can you not? And I had a couple of drafts this past year that you know the format made it such where I mean getting and and frankly I saw a uh, a team that's in the finals right now in one of those leagues, they went hard for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, in Superflex they went for both guys and they traded up and they got out of the middle rounds because round 6 versus round 9 is not a big difference. And so going with two studs at a position or let's say a stud quarterback you're up at round 1 but then trading up again to get Justin Jefferson just know how quickly 
these positions run out of the cyborgs, run out of the aliens, that it's a very short list. And so I think more and more, you kind of mentioned trading back from mid-rounds, but you could also use that that trade back as capital to move up and say, I'm getting two elite blue chip guys where you get into the third round and you might think that guy has first round startup upside at wide receiver, but let's be fair. They probably don't. You know, they might, but what are the odds that they turn into Jefferson, Justin Jefferson? Why don't you just go try to get Justin Jefferson in the startup draft? Because in an, in an existing league, it might be near impossible. So starting out your league with Mahomes and Jefferson or trying to get to Josh Allen or getting Jamar Chase or, again, whatever small subset of players fit that. And again, it might be four or five guys total in the whole format that you say, these are the guys. These are the complete and utter aliens for their position for age, production, and expected outcome. And if you get a couple of those guys, who cares if you're missing a fourth and sixth round pick? Let's be honest. You get into an existing league Depth is great, but unless you're in a start 12 or something and the format is such that it really levels all the positions, you got to be super careful about this. Well, I build my lineup and then I get to round 11 and then I start building my bench. Like, and you do all this and you're like, depth is great, but here's what we know. And this is the exact type of weeks, last two weeks, this coming week. What do you not want to see on the other side of the lineup in your matchup? What you don't want to see is I'm going up against Josh Allen. I'm going up against Patrick Mahomes. I'm going up against Justin Jefferson. I'm going up against Travis Kelsey. You don't want to see these guys in your lineup. And I think that's the point is that if you have a couple of those that truly move the needle at positions, all of a sudden your job, your life gets a heck of a lot easier. Absolutely. And I wait at running back in, in my startups because that's the easiest to fill with your rookie drafts in subsequent years. We've mentioned that year one is the least important. You want to build that core. You want to get some young studs that can be your anchors, like you were mentioning, Mahomes or Allen. If it's super flex, you know, couple that with a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or get a couple of those guys and then just there's there's going to be a lot of running backs later on in the draft that you can supplement with even guys like Brian Robinson I I really think he's going to go in like a round 8 Rashad White probably a round 8 Cam Akers he has had such an off year and an off putting year where's he going to go in this mix I think he's going to be a bargain as well and and even if you don't hit uh, you know Chuba Hubbard has looked pretty good the, the last few weeks, although he has a horrible, horrible average. Uh, the opportunity didn't really exist earlier this season, but he's starting to put together a few games. But he's going to be a forgotten guy. There's always those forgotten guys that you can get. Just stack them up and and try to get the ones that you think not can help your team in year one, but could potentially even be a flip if they – uh, get even guys that are an injury away though now is the time to load up on those guys in the startup draft uh, later on in the rounds not early but later on in the rounds get your most important position and reverse engineer it. if it's a super flex and a start to tight end hammer those hammer those build your core smatter in some wide receivers build your core build your core get some extra picks and worry about running back in year two, it's or, the least. Yeah, or just the future. Team. Yeah, right. Exactly. That was uh, yeah. The way I phrased it this time, we've said it a minute many times. Is 
play almost DFS, you know, with a chunk of your running back depth chart. And that doesn't mean you don't draft anyone in the top 100 or top 125 or whatever. But I, I pulled up one team because I knew I had this one team and I was like, how did I still don't understand that running back how I got here because I don't chart it every week. But this was I'm in the finals and I really picked up this orphan because I was like, well, there's Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson. Um, and I think there was like one or two other things, but the running back core, I still had nothing the whole year. I had nothing predictable. I have Deonta Foreman, just some of the notables, Deonta Foreman, Latavius Murray, Samaje Pirine, Rashad White, uh, Jamal Williams. I mean, I haven't named a core guy yet. I haven't named a core guy. And you know, I, I picked up guys like Jalen Warren. He didn't really, he didn't give me any starts. You know, Deion Jackson, he gave me one. But the point is you piece all this together, you put Rashad White a few times in your flex. Jamal Williams, you know, scores the touchdown more weeks than he doesn't. And then Deonta Foreman, once uh Christian McCaffrey left. I, just the point is though, I piecemealed that thing together because I was pretty good at wide receiver, really good at quarterback, and I won enough games. But that's like a like what I just described though is DFS. I mean, it literally is week to week of you wake up on Monday and you're like, all right, what does this week look like? And then you get to Saturday, it might look different and you plug in the best you can. Obviously, Latavius Murray has been a, a quality either pickup or I don't even know if I had him in August. I probably didn't. So again, DFS of just what's happening now, I think it's a little easier in shallower leagues and the, the things that we're talking about uh, definitely apply even more so when you have like 25 roster spots or 28 and under because they're going to be viable running backs all the time. Now, if you get to 35-man rosters, and, and we're in one of those, Katie, where you don't get yeah. as many looks at running back. You get some, but you certainly don't get, oh, let me do Latavius Murray store, you know, Deonta Foreman store. Like, those are a little harder to find uh, midstream and, and midseason there. So that was going to be the, the, the big thing on running back. And then the other thing I would say is playing the format, and, and you kind of alluded to this as well, the league's where it's tight end premium. I have another team in the finals. I hammered the crap out of tight end. Why? It technically was start one, but it was 0.15 for yardage and 1.75 PPR. You put those two things together, it's like dynamite. You want to start as many quality tight ends as humanly possible. And so running that information, you say play the format, know the format. And when you when you get formats like that, and you got to hammer it and be super strong, where is TJ Hawkinson your tight end two? You know, is Goddard your tight end three or four? Is Najoku a guy you got as your tight end four? That's the type of depth you want to have because they're going to outpace. You know, you look at stock PPR for another position, and it's like the tight end can basically show up and catch three balls. Like, I think Goddard was, went like three for 65, and he scored really well. Three for 65. We're playing a different game here, and you have to know that. I mean, you know, fantasy is math. And sometimes the math is simple. It's like 50% more per catch. Yes, please. 50% more per a yard. Yes, please. So I, I would say generally we're moving in a direction where people are putting premiums on tight end. And there, I, I would say in general, I'm not seeing just start two with no premiums on scoring. So you got to be really careful, read the rules. And I just outlined a scenario where it's start one. And I was like, this is insane. Like this is, this is more valuable than start two with no, no scoring premiums. So you got to know that. And tight end is a position that we've seen it. You can be 10 points down at, at one or two of your spots in your lineup, which good luck. Good luck beating that team more than two times out of 10, because you're down by so many points just from the get-go of they have a quality top guy and you have none. And you're just scrambling and you're starting one guy. So that would be my biggest point is the format 
we're gonna we're coming up with more and more ways to premium positions. And so make sure you know it, make sure you breathe it, and make sure you draft it. And my final thought when it comes to startups, um, my favorite format, of course, is Debbie, but I also like it when all the rookies and everybody is in there by name, not just by draft position, because then it really becomes the Wild West. And if you're a good trader and you can you can go by trusted rankings and not by hype because hype is the biggest killer of a dynasty roster, whether it's during the startup or during trading. A good example is Malik Willis last year. He was touted as going to be one of the top quarterbacks, one of the first quarterbacks off the board. He was, you know, gushing with athletic talent and a decent strong arm. And he was going to be, you know, the next Josh Allen and, and all of that. And anybody that drafted a startup before the NFL draft really is kicking themselves in the butt for that. So with that caveat, the one name I want to throw out there as a be very, very careful. Right now, he's being hyped by Mel Kuyper Jr. as the number one quarterback in this year's class. And I hate it because I think he's wrong. It's Will Levis out of Kentucky. That dude's played for four years. He played at Penn State, but he really didn't play a lot. Uh, until he got to Kentucky in 2021, his best season was the 2021 season. He he did all right this year as well. But just Kentucky, just the two years at Kentucky, he's got 149.9 passer rating, 43 touchdowns to 23 ints. That's unacceptable. His average yards, adjusted yards per attempt, is eight, eight. That's anemic. And he doesn't run. You know what he had for yards this year as a rusher? Minus one and a half. And last year, three and a half. That isn't going to cut it. Sorry. He's not it. If you want to take a flyer on someone else, Anthony Richardson later in the draft. But again, don't go by the hype. If he's starting to get hyped as QB1, don't pay QB1 prices. Avoid. 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 Abort. (laughs) But... You know, there, there's so much, even with C.J. Stroud and, and uh, Bryce Young, there's no bulletproof. There's never a sure thing anyway. There's always risk. But this year, there's no Trevor Lawrence that's a pretty clear-cut 101 for the quarterback position. Yeah, so. Will, Will Levis is like the most mystical one that that I, I'm seeing right now just because they, they posterize him like he's Josh Allen, first of all. And then they'll say he's super mobile. Okay, he's not. He's, He's not. not. He doesn't have elite rushing upside. And for a guy that that's raw, like you said, Anthony Richardson, if there's a discount, go get Anthony Richardson. If you have to have one of these guys, you know, go that direction because he actually has legitimate elite rushing upside. And both of them are like, we don't know what the heck we're going to get. It's like the life, of, you know, the box of chocolates. Who knows? Oh. NFL wise, is one of those guys going to develop into a good enough passer? Who knows? And but they're both Levis super thousand yards in two seasons. He right. had twenty eight hundred and twenty four hundred. That is not a passer either. Exactly. And his interception rate to his touchdowns, it's just awful. Buyer beware. And right, yes. he has the potential. Like you said, he's already getting the pump up. And the pump up could be all the way to a top ten or higher NFL draft pedigree, which means he's gonna go pretty high in terms of rookie drafts, and you gotta be really careful. And the one thing you said is, you know, do you like do you like to draft with the slots in there or the uh, individual Devi or rookie players? And I'll say both. 
because I think it's very different strategy. You know, gravitate towards the picks when when you're drafting in February and you have you know 101, 112, whatever it is. Uh, you keep you keep drafting rookie or Debbie slots. I love it because it's insulated, and then you can get and you draft those those in in May and June. You know, it's a second part of the draft, and you can trade them then. You know, get the clarity. You waited out all that potential change of situation. But then I also like when it when there's individual players there. I love waiting. I love getting values. Being like, huh, you know, you took four more quarterbacks or whatever it was, and I got the same quarterback in Devi or rookie that I would prefer over all those guys. So I, I really love waiting and finding value deeper when you have the players. And then I love uh, insulating myself, drafting not even a complete starting lineup at many times when when the when the rookie picks or the Devi slots are available to to draft early on, uh, typically. And I would say that shifts definitely after the NFL draft. You don't draft slots anymore. And I would say somewhere around the NFL combine, March, somewhere in there, you start to see more individual player drafts. But then early on, January, February, we're definitely going to see a lot of uh, of of uh, slots only, you know, when the, when it first kicks off. Want to do a little UTH best ball update. We got one week to go, and I think it's about a four-horse race here. About 50 points separate those. Uh, this past week, we had a, a new winner. We have Richard Mickelson taking down the whole contest with a number one finish. Baker Mayfield, he got him back in his lineup in recent weeks. Carson Wentz didn't even make his lineup. He had a cameo there in relief. But... Uh, you know, some of the big producers here, Devonta Smith took over that game with the Eagles, uh, uh, big game versus Dallas. And then Mr. TJ Hawkinson, almost 50 points in this format. Evan Ingram has been huge for a lot of folks in the format. UTH friendly player. He went over a hundred yards, uh, this past week. So 261, very nice score for Richard. And he's up into the top 10 or so. And, uh, Mike E overall, uh, leader here, but it's very tight. He's up by like one point over max, You've got Ryan and then Joe, uh, that foursome within 50 points, certainly within reach, and they are separating as we go through here. And Katie, you are up in the top expert spot here, top 15 or so, I would say, and uh, potential to move even higher with a week to go. All right. Uh, Katie Flower, you can find her between episodes at FF underscore Skyler 399. And uh, all the talk you heard about Debbie, the early thoughts about the rookie draft time. Again, that is her wheelhouse is the team building aspect. I've done a number of startup drafts with her over the years. And I've said it before, co-owning is a great situation, but also just asking her questions ain't too bad either. If you aren't even going to have a team with her, that's that's all fine. Get a, get a few tidbits and run with it. And you're definitely going to improve your ROI there with your picks. And again, between episodes, you got questions. We still got lineups to set this week. And uh, frankly, you know, you can wait one more week and just brag to Katie about how great your team is, how great it's been built uh, for listening to us over the, the past few years. All right. So you can find her on Twitter. I'm at Chad Parsons. And reminder about all the good things that utsdynasty.com all the premium shows and it's transitioning i'm already putting out some content like running back roundup this week talking about the off season talking about free agency and talking about stash players as the landscape changes to off season mode because frankly waiver wire is kind of dead this week and we got one more lineup at most and we're moving on uh to re-sculpting our teams for week one 2023 for katie myself chad until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties